Welcome to Books and Beer Review, a completely serious, professional examination of the literary arts. Either that, or a group of rambling scatterbrains trying to talk about books a few drinks in. Either way, it's our goal here to save you some time by reading some books and trying some alcoholic beverages so we can let you know if they're your style. I'm your host today, Patrick, and of course today I am joined by my co-hosts, Kevin and Craig. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. started with what we are drinking tonight uh how about craig so today i'm actually not drinking a beer uh contrary to the title of our show um i am actually having a sailor jerry so the spiced rum and i'm having it with uh what is the equivalent to uh, a dr pepper so it, it's a uh, it's not cl- quite um, a hairy ass, which I believe is Dr Pepper and Crown, but um, it's pretty dang close, and it is actually pretty phenomenal. I have not had Sailor Jerry's in maybe going on ten years or so, and uh, I'm not really a, a straight. Uh, straight kind of a hard alcohol drinker anymore so uh this is a uh, very pleasant uh, actually so anyone that hasn't had sailor, sailor, that hasn't had sailor jerry before um gosh i would say it's very similar to captain morgan except in my opinion it tastes better um than that but just so you kind of have an idea you know who the uh the actual the person the sailor jerry guy was i do not well, like, you know, Captain Morgan is Henry Morgan, the actual real world pirate. Um, Sailor Jerry, I forget what his last name is, but he was like a Navy guy. And he's famous for he's famous for he's a famous tattoo artist. Like um, if you ever see those sort of like they look like they would be painted on the side of a World War Two fighter plane. Yeah. If you ever see kind of those, it's like some sexy girl in a sailing outfit or whatever like that. And if those are those are either him oh, or inspired by yeah, his tattoos. That's why yes. he has that. Yeah. yeah. The hula girl. Sure. Yeah which is on every bottle yeah so that makes sense how about uh you kevin why don't you tell us about what you're drinking uh so as mentioned last time it is advent and i do have a german beer advent calendar and i've been studying the script on this can right now try to pronounce this word um it looks like it's buan buanitzer uh stein beer buanitzer i think that's a b it's written like that sort of like uber bavarian script so, because uh, Seamus can vouch for me on this, there's this one symbol in German that it looks kind of like a B, but it's actually meant to be two S's. Oh yeah, the S set. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't, don't know of any. I, I don't know of any words that would start with a with a set. So I think that's a B. Yeah, I can't read that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. the name the name of the beer itself is called Dark uh, Dark Spiesel. Or maybe Spiegel again. Is Spiegel, uh, Seamus, is that like a horn? Is that an instrument? Um, I can't remember. I think so, because I know the newspaper is called Der Spiegel, and I think it's because it's supposed to be like a, like a sounding horn or something like that. Yeah. So that sounds anyway. right to me. But... And then it's got a scary looking peasant guy holding some wheat on it. He looks like he may be like a manifestation of the Black Death or something like that. 
<laughs> anyway, this is surprisingly light tasting for such a dark beer. It's in a can, but I can see into it. And it's like, it's as dark as like a Guinness, but um, it's definitely not a stout. Um, it's still pretty, pretty crisp, pretty refreshing, uh, as are most German beers. Um, this may be just a little bit maltier uh, than, than my last, uh, last beer I reviewed. Uh, but that's what I got. Uh, what do you got, Seamus? That's something completely different. Uh, this is Distill Brewery's Wild Sour Series Key Lime Pie Goes. Wow. It says it's brewed with key lime, vanilla, lactose, coriander, and sea salt. I think you've had this before. No, I had, um, can't remember the name of that, but that was, it was similar. It was, it had lime and sea salt in it. Um, yeah. I do not. Well, what you just described about. sounds delicious. I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, it's got a really, um, like the sour, bitter taste up front. It definitely would not pass the Bavarian it, purity laws. No, definitely not. And then it like slowly, smoothly transitions to like the the creamy flavors of the vanilla and the uh, lactose is so it get, uh, it's like if you had like whipped cream on top of your key lime pie that's kind of what it it does so what it's do they very call it? is, is it nitro brewed or whatever where they use nitrogen i don't think i don't think it says that on here so i don't think so you can tell if it's um, got that little thing in the bottom of the can huh there's a little oh, thing no, it in doesn't. the bottom no yeah. the okay. only one i know that does that is guinness with a little ball thing in the bottom. Um, but I, I really am a fan of this. Like, this is quite refreshing. And do you like key lime pie, too? Yeah, I do. Okay. I like a lot of sour things. That's one of my favorite flavors is sour. Mine, too. I think too. lime lime is one of the most underrated fruit, fruit, blah, fruit flavors, in my opinion. I'm a big fan of key lime. Right. Well, now that that's the drink, let's dive into the book. All right. Today, I have a book called Capitoil, written by Teddy Wayne. Uh, he, actually, he actually put his name as Teddy Wayne on the book. Yeah, that's not Theodore. <laughs> right, but and it's spelled uh, K-A-P-I-T-O-I-L. I just feel like guys named Ted when they're signing checks and contracts. Nope, he's Teddy. All right, good for him. He's wait, his own wait, 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 wait. That was the name of the book. Can you say the name of the Capitoil. book? Capitoil. Capitoil. Okay, with a K. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Das Capital. I think it's like a slight reference to that. Um, hmm. Oh, Capitoil. Right. Ah, I get it. That's clever. Um, so this is about a guy named Kareem Isar. He comes from Doha, Qatar. Um, and this mm -hmm. happens, the book starts in October of 1999. Um, and he moves to New York, New York City to work for this financial firm. Um, they call it Shrub Equities. And his team, he's an IT guy, basically. And his team is there to set them up so nothing happens with Y2K. <laughs> By the way, Shrub Equities is a terrible name. <laughs> is... Um... Is he going to be there for the next two years? Um, I think so, <laughs> yes. Uh, that The event you're referring to doesn't happen in this book. Oh, I was going to say, that's going to be a rough time to be a Qatari. I don't think it ever gets out of uh, 
2000 in here. Um, so he goes to New York City to help with YTK prep. Um, he's kind of a strange person. Um, you can tell he kind of learned his English from kind of more like technical work. So he's, he's not very good with like uh, turns of phrase and stuff like that, idioms. And the book's kind of written, like he's taking an audio diary as he's going throughout his life in New York City to kind of document it that way. So he's always got a tape recorder on him. And this is basically um, the recordings. Um, I mean, it's interesting he would even do the recordings in English. I mean, I know for the sake of the reader, it's got to be in English, but... Well, it's just recordings of his life, and he he listens back to them so he can pick up more language. Oh, so it's not like him making memos to himself. It's like he's actually recording, like, interactions he might have. Right, he's recording like his day-to-day life, and then he gotcha. listens back to it so he can figure out, oh, he said um, it's a home run. He meant, oh, this is a reference to the sport baseball, and if you hit a home run in baseball, that's good. So if somebody says you hit a home run at work, that means you did a good job. So the entire book is filled with like footnotes similar to that. Like I learned a new, a new idiom or a new phrase today. So and here's, here's what it whenever is. authors do that, I feel like I look at that and I'm like, the sayings that we have are stupid. And like, if we ever had like an alien species come to us and like try to figure things out, they'd be like, why do you guys do this? Uh, is it like that for you? Whenever you see some of his footnotes, you're like, I could see how that could be really confusing. Yeah. Yeah. You can see how he's trying to work it out in his head. He's like, and sometimes he's like, I'll just have to take their word for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and that's, I think a little meta commentary about our society. A lot of people just take it for, they, they understand what the idiom or the, the turn of phrase is supposed to mean. And they don't look any further into it. Uh, I actually, I get a lot of joy into like looking up the origins of these phrases that we have. A lot of the times they're heard as like racist and <laughs> nobody, nobody's cared to point it out. So I cannot tell you how many times in the therapy session, especially working with adolescents where I have used an idiom and they don't know it. And in the safety of the therapy session, they can actually ask me about it. And we could talk about it, but um, they would just pretend like they knew it. And so it kind of makes me wonder like how many people use idioms and they don't actually even know uh, what they mean. Like they just right. use it because they've heard other people use it. Historically, and, I, and this character has a, he does that. He'll like overuse them sometimes. Like he'll like almost force it in because <laughs> he thinks it's appropriate to use like constantly. Like, <laughs> Oh, okay. it's, it, it makes me think of like in Inglorious Bastards, the Hans Lando. He's like, that's a bingo. Yeah. <laughs> and then Brad Pitt's like, yeah, you just say bingo. Then he was like, I, I don't know why you're using that phrase, but okay. <laughs> it's like, um, but yeah, other than that, like he's kind of, since most of his other English came from more technical stuff, he's kind of, he comes kind of, kind of like robotic in the way he talks. Like he's very matter of fact, um, literal kind of way of speaking because that's how he learned but he's trying to get away from that but you can tell he's very socially awkward because of that he doesn't know how to communicate more personally he only knows how to use the exact languages um he he, he doesn't really get along with his father who still is in cutter um his father's very traditional much not at all interested in computers and all that stuff that he's interested in. Um, and he's also dealing with 
uh, his daughter going to college, who's um, Kareem's younger sister. So he's kind of getting used to the idea of sending his daughter to college in a Middle Eastern country. Was that, uh, that huh? Was that super uncommon back then? In the nineties, yeah. Hmm. So, um, my, my sister lived abroad for a while, and she said, like, like in the UAE and like Qatar and stuff like that, it's much more liberalized. Well, now, yeah, definitely. But you know, twenty years ago. Fair point. Yeah. I guess that was before they were building giant, giant buildings on them or whatever. Um. So most of the first part of the book is trying to uh he has a small team of colleagues he's got um two guys named dan and jefferson who are kind of the typical tech bros and rebecca who tries to ignore them as much as possible um, because they're kind of douchebags <laughs> hmm. um but on the side he's he's slowly creating a, a program which he calls capital the name of the book and the point of it is to use news reports and things like that in order to make um, guesses on the stock market. Mm. So he, he makes it so billion like, dollar idea. Yeah. So he makes it so like um, some fault came up in the news with like some company's product, then he knows the program should automatically sell things of that product mm. basically. So he's trying to use the news to predict the stock market and it's going pretty good. And he shares it with a superior and he passes it all the way up to the top of the line. Uh, the CEO, uh, his name's Derek Shrub. Um, oh, that's why it's called the Shrub. Shrub okay. His last name. I was like, and that the, sucks because it sounds like it isn't going anywhere. <laughs> it's the way a uh, he's described both physically and kind of personality-wise kind of reminds me of Richard Branson. Oh, man, if only he was like, if only he was like short and stubby, that'd be perfect. <laughs> but, you know, he's like a probably 60s guy, his long hair, kind of turning gray. Um, he's an eccentric weirdo. Yeah. Um, he He's pretty pleased with the results of this program. And he invites Kareem to start doing things with him. They start playing like racquetball together, which is apparently things he likes to do. Um and he can tell that his boss is very competitive and uh, he, he's thinking about throwing the game and his boss figures that he's trying to throw the game so that he doesn't, you know, shame his boss or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he just starts taunting him mercilessly, like, you're not going to let an old man beat you in this thing. Um, so, so he's like constantly the- trying to figure out these social cues in these right. situations and he's and trying then, to be not in your face with all this stuff and he's not trying to like interfere with anything but at the same time his boss is basically taunting him he's like the socially awkward thing. kid that's told to be the group leader <laughs> right or that's told to come to the front of the class and teach it something and you're like don't do that <laughs> uh, so the rest of the book is him just trying to navigate you know, the perils of life in New York City and trying to learn a completely different culture and uh, trying to survive in the business world when you're completely naive. <laughs> he has no under, understanding of the concept of being like used for your work and stuff like that. 
Right. Okay. Like, so like, um, well, you can I, tell I guess... because he, he had this gold mine of a program that he's working and on and he shared it with his superiors. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> which, was... which I guess in our society would be like, don't do that. But right. like maybe a good hearted person, they yeah. would because that more people that would have access to this would be able to grow their own wealth. Yeah. Um, and then like the rest, like, there's a whole conflict of what he wants to eventually use the program for. Like, there's all this money that they're going to be able to make off of it, probably, potentially, um, if he gets it up to perfection and all that. Um, but how does he want to deal with that? How is he going to deal with, you know, the company wanting to use it for their own purposes and all that? Um, so it's, I wouldn't say it's exactly like a thriller or anything, but it's, uh, just like in a slice of life kind of learning experience thing. Well, one of the things that I love is like how the author actually constructed this book. Cause you said it's in these audio recordings, just talking about his life and the character itself seems interesting in the way that you have like he is actually trying to learn something and you get like the humor of the idioms and, and like how he might misinterpret them or how he might use them wrong and the same realization about how strange they are while this story is going along this entire time. It's like you get kind of get multi-tracked uh, quite a bit during the story. That's something like that that I love uh, about stories whenever authors are kind of trying to show you something while there's a story playing and uh that is just a really creative way to write a book mm -hmm. and uh th that's just me listening to this i don't know if it really felt that way while you're reading it though oh yeah definitely it was i really i don't think i've read a book kind of like this in terms of its construction um but yeah the recorder also also becomes like a fat point as well because he uses it to record people. Oh, yeah, I can see where that goes. Surreptitiously, I guess you would say sometimes. Um, what would you say like the central conflict in this book is? Is it just between him and the society he doesn't understand? Is it him He's, and his traditional? Yeah, trying to learn how to fit into American society at the same time learning kind of the most negative aspects of corporate American society uh, and trying to navigate his way through that at the same time. I mean, does he have any allies in all this? Like, does he have any good friends? Uh, I mean, he gets along with his coworkers. Like I said, I mentioned the, the tech bros, and he develops a, a romantic relationship with Rebecca. That's my next question, if there's going to be a love interest. Um, but you, can, you can tell how he's very, it's very much fish out of water. He's very awkward the entire time. Yeah. So this isn't like a twist thriller. This isn't an action-packed novel. This isn't not a romantic novel per se uh, what would you i get you've already kind of called it a slice of life like what, what do you think the author's trying to tell us with this book um it's a good question um if that wouldn't be a spoiler yeah i mean is it just an amusing story i don't know i i mean kind of i think it is like i said a kind of a criticism of corporate american society like Sort of like um, a American Psycho, Wolf of Wall Street like, kind of. Yeah, kind of like that. Okay. It's an allegory. Yeah. Speaking of people using words that they don't quite fully understand. <laughs> How is it not? 
you're talking about the American society. Well, what's it, what's using, it an allegory for? The American society using and abusing third world countries. Yeah, because I mean, he's. So in this allegory that you're you're proposing, you think the corporations and the bad the bad boss guy represent the United States as a whole. Our protagonist represents third world developing nations. Yes. Yeah. I, he's he's kind of like the uh, you know the the dude with the smiling face, but he's got the knife behind his back the whole time, and like, you yeah. almost don't see it till it's too late. Like. Yeah, or it can be an allegory with corporate America and just like the average working person. Um, uh, that's one of the cool things about these types of books. That's um, meant to be unsettling uh, when you look at the themes. So to brass, to, man, does that bug you that, that I actually had an answer for that allegory thing? No. Um, do, do you want to dwell it, on this? No, it doesn't no, bother me. Cause you're, I know rubbing you know your, what allegory you're, you're rubbing your face afterwards. You look like you're a little frustrated. I've had a beard worth playing with. So here's what I want to know. Um, down to brass tacks. So what type of readers would enjoy this and what would your rating of the book be? Uh, let's see. It is it is somewhat of a comedic book. I think it would be, if you want to read a book about someone who's struggling to get through life, maybe you can relate to not being able to connect to your peers or society in general. And you can see how this same kind of person went through that. Um, I, I think most people would enjoy this book, though. This is a—I thought this was a really good book. I'd probably give it um, eight point five or nine. Mm-hmm. So you think that if you are most people, you should try this book? Yes, if you think you are part of society <laughs> in general. I think book. it'd just be a fun reading exercise, and the way you described it, it'd just be different than other books that you've read. Yeah, just in how it's not the, a very long book either. I yeah, think how it's written and how it's constructed. I can't imagine that it'd be very long because I imagine something like this would be terribly difficult to write, um, unless uh, the writer himself was, uh, you know, in that same scenario. Yeah, he actually. Uh, I, I was reading on yeah. the back of the book uh, when I first got it. He actually went to Wash U. Oh really? Yeah. What a quinky dink. Can, can uh, I be can I be frank and blunt for a moment? Sure. I, I'm not sold at all on this book. Uh, <laughs> the the setting, first of all, the setting and time does not interest me at all. He said like the late nineties. I'm like, oh, so it's office space. This is the book office space because he's 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 trying to uh, uh, whatever upgrade for Y2K. I know it's not obviously from what you've described henceforth, but. Uh, the setting and then the fact that it doesn't seem to be getting at any bigger message at least not at least not in any way that you've painted out to me it just seems like it's just like a fun story you know um, which is fine it's just not something i'm interested in you're not anti-fun no so i'm i'm sitting here i'm like oh gosh i guess i'm not a part of society <laughs> Well, I think that actually points to maybe a potential point of discomfort that some people may have is that um, like the reality of what may happen in a capitalistic society whenever you have an idea like this and when you may not really be familiar with it. Um, because uh, like if you were to show a program like this and you're not as familiar with things, I mean, he's really set up to be taking advantage of. But 
this character sounds like, and I haven't read the book, but he sounds like he's someone that's constantly trying to think about, and he's constantly trying to learn so that he can be adept to situations like this, but he already has this social awkwardness that may be just innate to him. And then he has a language barrier, uh, to stack on top of that. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, obviously not everyone would, uh, maybe everyone should read this book except Kevin. Everyone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> everyone who's not me. That's a, yeah. that's a broad audience right there. It is. Um, from the sound of it, I would say people that are interested in uh, different styles of story writing and people that are interested in things like economics or things that are interested in like cultural differences or anything like that. It sounds like they might really enjoy this type of book um, or even just seeing things from a different cultural type of you know perspective. So again, uh, you said, what did you say? 8.5 8. 8. to 5. 9. 8.5 8. or 9, yeah. That's pretty high. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for reviewing that book. And thank all of you guys for joining us for this session. Or not this session, this episode, rather. Um, if you guys enjoyed it and you enjoyed this review of this book, please consider rating our podcast. Uh, five stars would definitely help other people that are interested in books and just finding good books that they would enjoy reading, uh, find our podcast and maybe save themselves some time with some books they would enjoy or uh, just really not read books that they themselves might find terribly boring. So we'd really appreciate that. And until next time, we hope you're enjoying the book that you're currently reading. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. We hope that you found it enjoyable. If you have any books of your own that you feel like would be great for us to read and to review on the podcast, or if you have any comments about any of the books that we've reviewed, please email us at booksandbeerview at gmail.com, or you can visit our website to listen to more episodes of different books that we've reviewed at booksandbeerview.podbean.com. Until next time, happy reading.